Welcome to Season 2 of I Fucking Love This Record, a music podcast hosted by me, the Derek Caraview. For Season 2, my guest hosts chose the record, and I'll be honest, sometimes I do not fucking love it. However, I did fucking love talking to each and every one of them about their choice. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today we're going to be talking about The Reminder, which is the third full-length album from indie artist Feist. It was released on May 1st, 2007 in the U.S. and Canada, and it debuted on the U.S. Billboard 200 at number 16. The Reminder was also the best-selling album of 2007 on the iTunes Store. Rocking the other mic today is record buyer, band geek, and tuba-playing rock star, Dr. Big Bad Sean Murray. Doctor, educate the folks. Hey, how we doing, Derek? Yeah, man, I'm I'm excited. This one's uh, this is going to be a fun one. I think uh, I'm excited to do this album, and I'm glad to be here with you, man. We appreciate it. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Since this was your choice, uh, we're going to let you start today. How did this album enter your life? Honestly, this album entered via a song called "One Evening," which was on her previous album, which is called "Let It Die." And I think it came up, I'm very much a fan of like, and especially in this digital age of iTunes and Spotify, I'm a person who quite literally will like like a song and when it says other artists bought by this person, I will deeply research all those other songs, tracks. I mean, I'll spend hours just finding, you know, these great songs by artists I didn't know. And that's, I mean, I think that's the brilliance of the digital age and that that ability to browse and then hear samples. And, and you know, now with the, the streaming services, you can hear the whole album. But, you know, even back at the time when this album came out, it was still where I could hear 30 seconds of it. And I remember hearing this song and then chasing it down on, you know, some other source where I got to hear the whole thing and really just liked the vibe of it. Treasure Hunting on iTunes is you know, essentially what I co- called it. Loved it, Devour you know the rest of the album for a while and then shortly thereafter you know because i kind of came to it late i didn't get it right when it released and then you know shortly after you know checking out let it die the reminder released and you know i bought it immediately i still feel like even when this album came out she was a relative unknown i still feel that way there's still a lot of people that maybe know one song which we'll talk about here later on but i mean most of most of it is just you know she's just this Canadian singer-songwriter. Some people, you know, she has a history with other bands, but I still feel like she's relatively unknown in the country, in the States anyways. Just out of curiosity, so I know you're, you're like me, you're a huge music buff. I know you're constantly, like you said, reading about music, tracking things down. Uh, you and I have, a, on a couple of occasions, gone to record stores together when we both still lived in Tampa. Of your fairly massive music collection, what made you decide to go for this particular album for this podcast? Yeah, we, you know, that's, I mean, holy smoke. I sat down when we, we were getting ready to talk through this and I, I, I should pull up the list at some point, but I had written down songs or albums that I had listened to just over and over and over again and had such repeated listen, you know, just repeated listening and, 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 you know, just to go down it, I was just talking about like, I was going down through my record collection and I was thinking about things like uh, white ladder by David Gray, when the pawn by Fiona Apple. Uh, there's just, a, you know, some of these albums that I could listen to, you put it on, I'm going to listen straight through it. And so that really, for me, differentiated what kind of album we were going to talk about today. And then this one just stuck out as one that I just felt like, 
had just some gravitas in terms of what it was and and the art that she kind of made on this album. So there it is. All right. Because I've been curious about some people's choices. There's been a lot of people have been like, help me out. (laughs) And I'll usually try to narrow it down to something I know that they like that I also like, or maybe even something they specifically turned me on to. And before I even had a chance to, because I wasn't sure if I was going to get the cry for help from you. So I had started thinking about it. And then the next message I got from you was this one. So uh, how this album entered my life was through this podcast uh so the song one two three four was pretty inescapable for a while it really entered pop culture you know it was on the office and a few other things uh but my really my first uh, top to bottom listen to the album was specifically for the show so we're gonna go ahead and get started here with our track by track analysis as my guest as your suggestion i'm gonna let you lead off track number one so sorry what do you think about this one? Honestly, I think this is a good, uh, it really acts as a great opener in that it sets the mood for the whole album. Um, you get a good example of her voice, um, just kind of the, the timbre of her voice. Great lyrics, fantastic lyrics. Let's you know this is ready, to, where the album's getting ready to go. It's a mid-tempo song um, that often don't open up albums. You don't usually, you know, usually kick it off with a big, you know, up-tempo number a lot of times. And there's some of that on here, but uh, for it to kind of be this mid-tempo uh, a tune that's uh, very simply stated um, and it showcases her voice, I thought it was a unique choice. But I, I think it definitely sets the mood for what you're going to get later on in the album. Oh, I would agree with that. So I feel of the different types of openers that we talked about in, in season one. For me, this was a, a bit of a setup opener. I think it is trying to set up uh, for track two, but you have this this quiet guitar, fairly low key per, uh, low key percussion, uh, really subtle instrumentation, and it is a showcase for her voice. Uh, I think it really it steadies the ship before you head into the rest of the album. And we talked just briefly about how much you like album closers. That's where you pay attention. To, does the band nail the closer right. and how you're a sucker for like a slower closer or even an extended jam? This sounds like it could have just as easily closed this album. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, which I don't often get from, you know, sometimes you'll hear a track seven that could have been a track 10, but you rarely hear that in a track one unless there's like a reprise very rarely. Do you hear something that I think works as a track one that could have also worked as a track let's say 10, 11, 12, whatever. So it's a good one. And really my opening understanding of who she is at this point, because I just sort of knew background music. So I was like, okay, I'm interested in this. And we head on to track two, which is I Feel It All. Uh, I realized, okay, I do recognize this one. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming this was a single. I don't know if it was used in a commercial. Yeah, I think it was. This had a lot of commercial success for sure. It found its way into television programs and these days of the featuring you know songs as part of a, a TV show. Um, this is definitely one of those songs that found you know pretty good commercial success. And I can see why. So this one's got like grittier guitar. So that first track had more of a quiet kind of strumming thing. And this is a little bit grittier. And I don't know, okay, is this really going to, is it going to rock? But then there's like these really shiny keyboards to counterbalance that. Yeah. It's catchy. It's bright. Uh, the rhythm of her singing is really fun. Uh, there's a terrific hook with the rhythm and then the keys kind of matching that rhythm. And I really, I really like this one. And it's one of those, I, I recognized it, but obviously it wasn't enough to pull me in at the time, but now I'm not sure exactly why it didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think like, uh, to your point, this is the song that feels like the opener. This 
this yeah. one, if this had opened the album, it would have made complete sense. So sorry, I, it felt like a little bit more of like what Let It Die was and that vibe. And so for I Feel It All to be the second track on here is is definitely surprising and definitely feels like, okay, now we're really starting. You know, this is this is what the album maybe should open with. But again, very catchy, a lot of um, memorable moments in it in terms of lyrics and just and hooks, etc. So yeah, it feels definitely like an opener. I really like it. And I think really the reason why, and I don't know enough of her history, I don't know what that previous album sounded like, but I really feel like this shows off a lot of what she can do. And you get that one-two punch. And so instead of opening with the big, bright, shiny one, it's like, all right, I'm going to open up a little bit slower. And so then you're thinking left, and then I'm going to come knock you out with my right. It works for me. Uh, What about track three, My Moon, My Man? This one uh, has definitely a different feel. And I I think that's part of what uh, I like about this album from start to finish is that it's enough different vibe throughout. Like nothing... There's things that sound like other songs on here, but there's enough variation where you don't necessarily go from front to back expecting the same thing. And this, again, kind of like a a rock shuffle. Um, The thing that I also noticed about this in in my, you know, treasure digging is this is a collaboration too with a guy who calls himself Chili Gonzalez. That's not his name. His name's like Jason Charles Beck. He goes by Gonzalez or Chili Gonzalez. This is kind of, you know, co-written with him. And and again, it's kind of got a different vibe to it uh, lyrically and just kind of in terms of the first two songs that you heard on the album. I think this is a cool tune. I like this song. This may be my favorite song on the album. Nice. Uh, the, the piano really works for me. And it sounds almost like it could have been just the piano line sounds like it could have been on a spoon album. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's definitely like an indie rock appeal to this one. Like she was described as an indie rock artist in the description. But those first two tracks don't really strike me as indie, whereas this one has that that feel, that vibe to it. And I'm really curious if I would have heard this song first somewhere, I probably would have picked this album up. This is one of those songs. This is definitely in my wheelhouse. It's strong. It's interesting. Every one of these tracks, I'm going to talk about her vocals and probably every, <laughs> every right, yeah, sure, does yeah. have a beautiful voice. And I'm not sure how she escaped me for this long. I'm, I'm just assuming I jumbled her up with other people and going back to gonzalez i think that's what he brings to this track is because he's a very accomplished pianist is he's a guy worth checking out in terms of just some of his stuff because of just he's just great at you know hooks and he's got some really great interesting ideas and then again the fact that they kind of co-wrote this and collaborated on this i think is what gives it that different vibe for sure uh, is he a solo artist or does he work? He's a solo artist, like producer and stuff. He put out a series of like solo piano albums, like after after this, that uh, they got great critical acclaim. I don't know how many people have actually heard it. Um, he's got this album called Solo Piano, which sounds like, you know, classical music by Satie or something like that. And yet there's like some great like R&B influences in it and some jazz influences in it. Um, and so you kind of get this sense of, um, of some different things that he's capable of. He also does, I think he even has like a podcast where he's talking about like you know where he breaks down songs and analyzes why we like them from a musical standpoint um especially you know hooks and and why that you know they resonate with us so pretty interesting guy that way definitely have to check some more of that out i'm not much of one just for straight up piano music but there's every every once in a while you got to check some things out you got yeah you got to go out there even even if you never go back to it you know at least that one listen (laughs) it's like all right that was fun. Yeah, and he just did a like an album of covers, which is also worth checking out. Yeah, I think there's a, some depth there, but again, a nice introduction to him. The collaboration that he had with her, especially on this song, is what caused me to kind of go seek him out a little bit. Uh, that brings us on to track four, The Park. 
This one, it starts a little bit sparse. It's like a pretty guitar ballad. And then other elements are piled on eventually. And this is the first track. I think you really see the strength of her voice. I mean, oh, her yeah. voice has been great throughout, but this is the okay here. This is what we're talking about right now. So I really like this song. I think it brings you on a little bit of a journey. We talked a bit last time about how lyrics are generally not that important to us i couldn't tell you i don't think a single lyric <laughs> on this album listen i hear you preparing for this podcast so i can't say about what she's singing i can't say of how she was singing it and it was beautiful fantastic i love this track this one is again a bare acoustic ballad it's got like some real depth to it it's underlaid with you know this the bird sounds of the park you know they've gone out someone's clearly gone out and done like a source recording in the park of just birds chirping and it kind of underlays the whole track and again She's just got, again, this terribly haunting voice that just sounds labored and yet easy at the same time. Like I said, light piano, simple guitar accompaniment, you know, an injection of like some soft horn section stuff later in the chorus. Our first kind of open up where he just, you know, strip away everything and let's just, let's just listen to what she sounds like. Yeah, successful. It's, it's a great track and, and an interesting placement here, you know, as you're kind of getting into the, the meat of the album. And, and no two tracks have really felt like they were mining the same ground at this point Mm -mm. they don't all sound like they should be on different albums or anything her voice is really a unifying force but here we are track four and it's like i i still don't know how i would classify this album and i think but in the best way sometimes things can be too eclectic or uh, they can just sound like they're being different for different sake Whereas I just think every one of these songs so far has been just really strong and just working in a slightly different groove every time. So it's been pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That brings us on to track five, The Water. What do you got? Water. Now, this for me is the masterpiece of this album. You know, you get piano, upright bass, you get trumpets. The thing that I love in terms of the accompaniment on this album is that it's the vibraphone playing, like, you know, a lot of arpeggiation behind her voice, and there's no drum set. It's just vibes, trumpet, upright bass, piano. This one, it's odd that it follows the part because they're similar, but in terms of a lyrical standpoint, it just feels like a a momentous piece on this album. And she co-wrote it with a a former bandmate. You know, she started her career as part of Broken Social Scene. Oh, okay. She's a singer for that for a long time. And so Brendan Canning, who... Uh, co-wrote this with her as her former bandmate as part of broken social scene this one for me right here in track five i love it i mean this one i can listen to on repeat all day this is the first time so going from the park to the water feels very deliberate but this song is pretty and it's slinky and it's yeah. sexy mm-hmm. and this is definitely one that's going to make a late night mix yeah i, I, I got you yeah i i really really enjoy this song quite a bit like you said it's it's a highlight it just plays to all her strengths and like you said for the first time not necessarily mining different territory it does something pretty special here yeah for sure a quick word from our friends over at she will rock you hi i'm leah and i'm beth ann and we're she will rock you she Will Rock You is a bi-weekly podcast about rock history. Each episode, we talk about an artist and their lives, but we do it a little differently. You see, we noticed there was a lack of ladies hosting music podcasts, so we wanted to fix it. And here we are, two badass millennial ladies talking about rock music our parents wouldn't let us listen to. As a bonus, you'll even get our beer recommendations at the end. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, don't, don't do drugs. And now, 
back to the show. And then bringing us on to track six, Sea Lion, which is an updated take on the Nina Simone classic. It sounds different, uh, but not disrespectful. No. You can see where it came from and you can see where it's going. The thing that I really like is where she drops the synthesizer where you would expect a piano. Right. But it doesn't sound like she was thinking, hey, let's make a synth version of this. Haha. It's more like that's where the song wanted to be. Right. It fits just with what she's doing. And again, not crazy different from the water. You know, it's just I think these three are almost of a piece, let's say. Yeah. You know, you can hear the Nina Simone in it but in all the best ways possible because it's got to be intimidating trying to sing something that Nina Simone sang because she was such a singular talent. Mm -hmm. And to put yourself up for being compared to her on purpose (laughs) has to be, that's tough. That's got to be a tough way to go about it. And I think she pulls it off because she makes it different enough that it's her own while still at the same time, you can just hear Nina. Oh yeah. I mean, for her to do a cover of this, which is, it's not, and it's not like it's a jazz standard where, you know, she's like doing fly me to the moon that a million other crooners have done this. Like when you think sea lion woman, you know, and of course her play on it with sea lion, which, you know, I think she just named it that because that's how it, I think it comes out when she sings it, but you know, see, see line woman. Again, I came to it, you know, Nina's the first version I heard of that. So when I heard this on here and I thought, again, it had that kind of cool synth and it was, and it's an upbeat tune for sure. She's got kind of a modernist vibe on it. Um, at the same time, I think it's very much a tribute to Nina, but again, you can't escape that Nina Simone voice and the way she inflects and stuff like that. But I still feel like it's a successful tune, you know, because she's modernized some of the accompaniment and again, still has the hand claps going the whole time and strips that away and brings it back and i mean it's it's definitely kind of a a great upbeat tune especially following the park in the water to kind of bring you back to a a different place and not let it get too you know down in terms of mood i suppose yeah i really i like that tune a lot and there's a lot a lot of reasons a lot of ways that could have gone wrong and she makes them all go right and that's pretty impressive Mm -hmm. track seven past and present what are your thoughts? This one is the outlier for me. This one, in terms of mood, it doesn't fit anywhere with the rest of the album. It's very bluesy in the way it's done. Um, there's not a lot of a hold on to from a lyrical standpoint. But when it gets to to this tune on the album, it's usually a quick click of the next track for me. As much as I love this album from top to bottom, this one, if it comes up by itself, I will pass on just because it feels so different than what the rest of the album is in terms of mood, in terms of musical style. It's it's one of those ones that just for me doesn't fit very well. And I wonder if it's just because of where it falls on the album that if it would have come a little bit earlier, like if this would have been track four, of course, I think, you know, My Moon, My Man, and then the park do have the, they share that bird sound. So obviously that wouldn't quite work, but more in just the sequence where everything sounded a little bit different if this one would have fit a little bit better there because it's peppy, it's upbeat, and at times for me, it sounds like it almost could have become a country song right? with just a slightly different approach, not even a radically different approach. Just like if there's just something a little bit different, this is suddenly a country song. Yeah, it's got like a two beat to it. It's got like, you know, it's very much like a country, like two beat or something that you hear from it. And again, it just feels very different coming off a of sea line, which is so, you know, obviously jazz influenced. Yeah, it just it's a it's a weird place. Like I said, maybe it's just the placement. But for me, it's always felt like out of sorts with the rest of the album. I, I can see that. So that brings us on to the limit to your love, and uh, and this is another really strong vocal performance. This one's a little bit jazzy and has that almost but not quite 
norish quality to it at the beginning yeah and then the strings come in and sweeten things up a bit but that piano just keeps it with that drive and it just has that you know I, this is where i, I kind of lack vocabulary for what's going on in the song but man this is a great song yeah and for i mean Again, this is another, you know, collaboration with uh, Chili Gonzalez. So you get that piano hook back, which again, I think he's just so brilliant at. He comes in with that and, and it doesn't start with that. It doesn't start with that. It builds up to it. But by the time he hits it for the first time, and I mean, and I'm not going to do the disservice of trying to, but in my head, like I want to sing it out loud. I want to hear like, <laughs> I want to sing the chord progression because I think if you listen to this even a little bit, that's what you walk away from. You know, yeah. it's her, you know, saying limit to your love and then him following up with, and I, again, I'm not going to sing it cause it'd just be awful, but man, it's, it, it just sticks with you. And just one of the highlights on this album for sure. And I'll tell you so much so that it's been covered a lot in the intervening years, jazz kind of trio, bad, bad, not good. I don't know if you're hip to them. They did a nice cover of this. It's very ja- more jazz influenced. Um, but the one, and, and I, again, I just saw his show in Atlanta last night. It was, I saw James Blake and James Blake, has had great commercial success with his cover of this tune, which he does in a very highly electronic, you know, nature. But again, what you hold on to, and, and of course, his is a little bit more sparse, but again, that piano drives home on everything and unbelievably strong. And uh, again, love, love this song. Talking about Sticky, we have track nine, one, two, three, four. What are you thinking on this one? Well, I mean, this is the one that is the reason it was the most popular on iTunes that year. And it was, you know, featured in an iPod commercial. And she did a video that went with it. And I forget it was like iPod, you know, I don't even know of the many iPods that had come out. But, in you know, in the innovative kind of Apple commercial um, that they had latched onto this song, which, you know, let's be honest, has made so many artists and songs famous over the years, you know, yeah. used in a commercial. Uh, but this one, for whatever reason, um, just latched on and people were like, what's this song? And so I don't know if many people followed up with the whole album, but this song sold like hotcakes. On, on iTunes because again it was part of that commercial people are like oh that's kind of a kitschy you know cool song it almost feels like a kid's song in some ways um, like it could easily have been on like you know Sesame Street or something like that and found a place it was on Sesame Street she redid it for Sesame is Street is that right no doubt yeah <laughs> no idea. but I mean I mean exactly you hear it and you go that could easily be on like a kid's show or something you know what I mean yeah so I did not even know that that's so funny yeah, yeah, I was there. And uh, again, this is not my favorite song on the album, but I can see why this is the one that entered the lexicon, why this is, you know, kind of pop culture wallpaper. And it's another bright, bouncy number. It's clearly earworm material. Oh, yeah. It hooks into your brain. And even if you're not sure, you know, this is a song I could see people hating this song after a couple of weeks yeah i totally would I, I would totally get that and i don't know if this is ultimately why i didn't really seek out this album because i just thought it was a little kind of a pop number and yeah i feel like i mixed her up with maybe like alicia keys or something like that where it's like you know people with really pretty voices but who are just not making music that i'm into yeah so not to insult anybody else like that 
No, uh, no, listen, and, uh, but I will say this about the song. It comes at a point in the album where you don't expect it. You are, you've just finished, you know, all these heavy, weighty, strong vocals. Limit to Your Love is so poppy and, and catchy. And then all of a sudden comes along with this little bouncy, you know, quirky tune on the backside of the album. It's got banjo in it. It's got, you know, this full <laughs> horn section. And you just go, it's a feel good number for sure. But it, you just go, where did this come from? And again, this is, um, this wasn't really by her this is a cover well not a cover but uh the story of it is that it's by an australian singer songwriter called sandy seltman it's the name of this gal she heard this song and and, and feist was like i'm gonna well, maybe you want and like she'd send it to her to say maybe it's something you'd want to cover and she's like i don't know how she you know cd or whatever else and then finally she did or she was covering it at like shows and then finally recorded it yeah i remember hearing about that somewhere like sally something and she wrote this song she had seen feist play somewhere and i don't i think she wrote it maybe specifically for her or it was something she had written and thought oh she will do this song justice i don't remember the exact story because i heard it years ago but didn't tell her herself at first because she was too shy they were on the same bill somewhere yeah and then eventually it got to her and then i think she made some slight changes to it that's uh that's a great story when other artists just like i want you to cover the song that I wrote. You know, yeah, I think it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You don't hear too often, that too often, but when you do, it's fun. Agreed. Track 10, Brandy Alexander. And this is a just a pretty love song. Starts with real simple percussion and vocals. And that broadens again with that piano. And it builds to just a really nice spot. And her voice is just so beautiful. And this is just, it's sweet. You know, you're my Brandy Alexander. You know, you're going to, and I can't remember exactly, but it's like, you know, you're going to get me in trouble. Yeah. And it's just, it's fun uh, in its own way. I like, you know, just the, uh, an ode to drinking and the people who get you in trouble when you're drinking with them or something. And uh, just cute and sweet. And I, I, I really love this tune. And, and again, like you said, it works as, I think of it as almost a metaphor for things that you like, but aren't always great for you. You know, you, yeah. just go, you go, boy, I really love this drink, but it's going to make me sloppy drunk and that's going to be it. And I know how I get, you know, but at the same time, you can't stop downing it. You know, it's like a good gin and tonic for me. You know, well, it's not, you know, I can't keep drinking these, but I love them so much, you know, metaphor for a lot of things in our life where we go, it's maybe not the best for us, but I'm not going to cut it out. You need some of it somewhere. That's right. <laughs> so on to track 11, Intuition. What do you got? This is a long album. I mean, it's, you know, it's quite a few tracks, you know, longer than nine or 10 track, you know, LP. So you, you arrive here. This is another one that is very much like The Water. It's a highlight for her voice. Great melody, um, very melancholy about regret. It has a great addition of this, like, s- singing and backing vocals uh, in the last few lines that you don't get through the whole thing. In fact, you don't hear the choir behind her. And then late in the album, she sings something and they kind of repeat it back. And it's kind of a nice addition to close out that song. And then for me, the very last line of this song, the way she treats it melodically is just like heartbreakingly beautiful and it admits a song that i already think is fantastic in terms of highlighting her voice but she just puts such tender care in the last line of the song and it's something that i always hold on to when i hear this particular tune it's just a simple guitar and it's delicate yet strong vocals and it's got that great woohoo hook yeah. that is then a little bit later matched by the instrumentation and i don't know what that instrument is but it sounds like it's saying woohoo and it's so great because yeah. it's just it feels unexpected because you have that one second where it takes you to realize wait that's not her voice right 
that was just super cool. That's what I latched onto initially with this one. And just, it's just a, it is a beautiful song. Yeah. Which then brings us to track 12, Honey, Honey. And this one has a different sound to it than I think for, this is the one that sounded the most different to me on this album. I can't quite put my finger on it. I don't know if it's just, uh, just the, the approach of that opening synth. Because so much of uh, what we see at the beginning, at least, is usually guitar or maybe piano. And so that right. she opens with the synth and then just the uh, the kind of the staccato ha-has coming at you. This is a good tune, but it's one. this is the outlier for me. This is the one that sounds the most different than anything else on the album. Yeah, and it comes after intuition, which is, you know, again, a very sparse kind of thing. And then, again, very electronic synth vibe to it. I think the thing that I hold on to in this album has got great use of the harp in the instrumental break. Um, all of a sudden, you know, you don't hear a lot of it on the album. And I think that's, again, just kind of when we're talking, you know, in a holistic approach is that there's such variation in terms of what the group is made up of and what you hear from track to track. The thing that I hold on to here is, again, the harp and just some of the cool instrumental stuff, but it's definitely got an electric synth vibe, which is so different than some of the acoustic stuff on the album, for sure. Yeah, and this is the one that had the most... I think going on with it, most different instrumentation, a lot, yeah. a lot of different things. So, I mean, a good tune, but really just the, uh, the this is the one that was most different. Right. Which is then going to bring us to the album closer, How My Heart Behaves. What do you got for me, Sean? This is the only kind of one that features her in a duet type setting. Uh, up yeah. until now, it's been, you know, her. But here, you know, we've got another vocalist that's kind of, you know, singing back to her or singing with her. And it creates kind of a cool vibe. Um, it's definitely on par with the main vibe of the album, I think, um, mm-hmm. in the way, you know, it closes out. And I thought it was an interesting choice to close with something that was a duet like this. And it closes down. I could see a song like The Water or The Park or even Intuition being the closer for this album. Um, but I thought it was an interesting choice, honestly, to, to do something that was more of a duet but still in you know line with what this album is because it's got that slow start and then just the upsweep of those strings and then for me those backing vocals and then the duet with it just so great so sweet and i think this is a terrific closer there are other songs that would have been just fine at the very end but something about this where it it's on topic. It's on theme. It's not like finishing with honey, honey, which would feel weird. Yeah. You know, it's like, and it just sweeps out, but it has that just different enough that you're thinking, what's she going to do on the next album? That's what I thought as this one ended. I'm already thinking, how does the next one begin? Yeah. Because yeah. this just brings a little bit of something and just those, those male voices singing with her, but they blend just so well. I just yeah. thought it was really, it was beautiful. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Definitely a strong closer to what was, you know, a very diverse and just, you know, cool album. And it just made sense that, you know, to have something slightly off kilter, but still, you know, right in line. I was enjoyed this quite a bit. So, uh, Sean, what were your what are your final thoughts? And again, this is you know one of my favorite albums of you know of all time. And and by the way, I, I'm very interested in as you were talking earlier in this about albums you thought that I would enjoy. I'm, I'm wait, I'd love to know what that album was uh, that you had in in your mind about um, great albums. But I I think more than anything, this is albums about vibe. It's something I can put on in my house and hit repeat all like for an afternoon of getting stuff done and occasionally take pause away from whatever I'm doing to, you know, in my awful voice, croon out, you know, some <laughs> some great choruses or lyrics that I just love or just, you know, take a moment and listen to it. But I think more than anything, what you walk away from on this album is the power of her voice. Like just, I mean, 
it's a unique uh, in terms of its tenderness. I think it's, I, I kept coming back to the word ghostly in, in aspects. And, and again, that's in pairing with the, the tunes themselves, but they seem effortless and um, uh, it just exudes like, you know, lamentation and regret and sometimes joy. And again, I think the best tracks on this album are ultimately the ones where the instruments get out of her way and just let her do her thing. Um, and, and again, that's what I really hold on to when I listen to this album front to back. And for me, I'm, I'm not sure why I never sat down and gave this one a listen. Uh, like I said, I think I just confused her with other people. Uh, or, you know, when you have that kind of kitschy, mm-hmm. almost novelty track, it's like, eh, okay, that's, that's what that is. I'm not even sure what I was listening to at this point, at this time. Something great, I'm sure. Sure. But I'm really glad that you got me to sit down. I'm glad you recommended this one because this is going to be in my rotation. Uh, there's already I know some of these songs are gonna are, are gonna wind up in mixes and, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. This this will be one that, that definitely gets that gets some more some more play even when the podcast is done. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I love it. So thank you so much for uh for the recommendation. Thank you so much for joining me today. Sean, it's always a pleasure to talk with you about everything, but especially being able to talk about music with you on the podcast means a lot to me. Thanks, man. Yeah, man, appreciate it and thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to I Fucking Love This Record. If you would like to co-host an episode, contact me at lovethisrecord at gmail.com. This and every episode can be found on my website, lovethisrecord.com. If you would like to follow us on Facebook, it's Love This Record. Twitter and Instagram, Love This Record 1. Music provided by The Ashes of Grissom. And thanks as always to original patron, Mark Evers. Please remember to subscribe, like, and review, and we'll see you next time. 